Cosmic Salon again, and I have a fantastic guest with me. Robert Phoenix has flown in, and we are going to get deep into some woo-woo, the collective bullshit that's going on, and how we as fellow psychics and uh, readers into the absurd see what's going on as it moves into the trajected future from where we are now. So with that, welcome, Robert Phoenix. Hi, Nish. It's great to be here and to be a part of your cosmic salon. And (laughs) um, I've always admired your work from near and afar and uh, the consistency and the quality with what you do. So um, it's great. And it's been a while since we last talk and I think it was in the context of you myself and Jerry and Jerry had just come out of Cumberland and uh and I think that was about I don't know that was that was I think it was pre-COVID actually yeah I think it's like two years ago maybe over two years ago yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I guess this is where I tell people a little bit about me (laughs) yes Uh, who are you Robert (laughs) yeah well it's it's taken me a few years to, to figure that out. Uh, but I guess officially what I do and who I am are kind of bound together in a lot of ways. So what I do is I am by trade, how I make my money in this world is that I am an astrologer, a practicing astrologer. So I work with people on an individual basis. Uh, and I also, stream and do uh, podcasting actually well it's not really podcasting anymore i mean when i think of podcasting i think of well kind of like what you're doing in some ways um it's just me and you with some audio uh, and that's that's it right yes but i use i use video and so, so i was doing i started doing podcasting in 2010 and uh that's when i jumped on blog talk radio and I think my second guest might have been Jay Widener. Um, oh, that's Jay did, Yeah, he didn't know me from Adam. And it was great that he got on and we did the whole Cooper thing. And it was pretty cool. And then my, my actually, my, my, my first guest. Oh, God, now I'm having a hard time. I'm having a uh, difficult time remembering my first. It'll, it'll pop into my head. But he was my second. He was my second guest. And um, and I did I did the. The podcasting thing on blog talk until I think it was around 20, 2015, 2016. And then I shifted over to uh, Spreaker and Spreaker was having problems with blog talk radio. 
And um, Spreaker was this kind of interim phase. Uh, the cool thing about Blog Talk was the community that I noticed was happening during my my streams when I was streaming live. Had a very you know, kind of vital chat, and a lot of people were you know, really engaged in that world. And I did a lot of uh, did a lot of like live astrology. That was I, the cool thing about Blog Talk is that you could call in, and you yeah, know, I would have it's like a radio. Yeah, it was it was like a radio show, and so I would I would read people's charts. I wouldn't really read their charts. I would just throw up an ephemeris. I would look at their planets, and I you know kind of break things down. And I did that for a long time. I was also doing interviews with people during that period too, which was um, it was cool. I learned a lot. I learned I learned what to do and what not to do during interviews, and. Uh, and I had a lot, you know, a lot of really eclectic guests during that time. And I still do because I still do the interview stuff. But in 2016, I made this transition to streaming live on YouTube. And it just started off doing the Sunday night show, which is an ast- astrological show, two and a half to three hours. I look at mundane astrology and uh, you know, the charts of people, like people that theoretically we know out there in the world, right? And look at their charts and what's going on with them or some predictability. Uh, so I've been doing that for a long time. And that's where I started streaming live on YouTube. And then I just decided that I was going to stream live every day because I wanted to kind of break through something. I wanted to break through some level of numbers or lack thereof. And I thought by doing it on a consistent basis that it would, it would be helpful and I started a show called 15 Minutes of Flame. And I really wanted to last 15 minutes, but I couldn't do it. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's 90 minutes a day now. Yes. And, and it's just kind of a way for me to... Originally, it started off as a way for me to rant. Um, and with, with some kind of topics in subject matter in mind. I loved those early ones where you were ranting. You, you, that's when you were on Nox Mente, by the way. You had just kind of gotten into the flow of that. Yeah. And what's interesting about that time, too, is like, you know, that's when I was drinking, too. And I think drinking and ranting go hand in hand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's a great tradition, an Irish tradition of drinking and ranting. So... I still do the shows, but I don't drink anymore. And I think I rant a little less. Um, and that's okay because I think I, I, I still rant a little bit, but I try to connect more dots now and yes. take, take people down different alleys that they may not necessarily uh, go down. And, and the whole idea with the, with the daily show is to, take people through a number of different places, some of which can be dark, some of which can be funny, some of which can be musical, but ultimately with this idea that we can um, sort of pull the curtains back on things. Or, you know, if, if you think there's a monster in the room, like you're a little kid, right? And you think there's a monster in the room and it's late at night you turn the light on, it's like, there's no monster there. I mean, there is a monster but we talked about it. Now the light is on, right? So that's that's tr- what I try to do. And it seems to have uh, a pretty good effect in that uh, people who 
are in a kind of an isolated place in their life. When I mean isolated, I'm talking about like ge- geographically isolated yes. or I- isolated in the sense that, you know, in their family, they may be the black sheep and maybe they've got a gray sheep uh, sibling or, you know, what, you know, isolated in that kind of way. And a lot of people have found some kind of, uh, I think, healing connection. I hate to use the word healing because I think it's kind of tried some ways. Yeah. But but I think they have found a healing connection in that, number one, I talk about things that they think about but, but maybe don't want to risk or, or cannot articulate. So I, I play kind of a role, like a Vox Populi in that way, I think. And, and I also give them a place where they're hanging out with other people um, who are very similar in some ways. And so I have a very active and very loyal chat group. And I, I got kicked off of YouTube, I think, was, it's, been about, um, it's been about three months now, maybe four months. And it was quite sudden, actually. It was very sudden. And I'd gotten some warnings. I'd had I'd had a, a strike or two, and I thought I was back in their good graces. And I was trying to make this transition of doing something off of YouTube. Uh, and one of the things that YouTube is really good for, obviously, is like collecting an audience. It's like that's where yes. I, that's where the eyeballs are. You know, that's the mall. Yeah. And and so I was trying to make this migration from the mall to my own world. And I thought Vimeo would be a, a good kind of place to do that because Vimeo was kind of a mall. It was a lesser mall, but it also had the ability to allow me to take their technology because they bought upstream and then upstream content from my website and then just directly stream off my website. So that's kind of where I was getting people going in that direction. So there was a while after I got back on YouTube where I would have a show and I was talking about things that YouTube did not want me to talk about. And then I would, I would delete the show. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to stay out of YouTube's bad graces. I have the video already on Vimeo. People are coming to the live stream. I'm, I'm done with that after it's over. And we can start this process of kind of migrating people over. And then I came home one night to go on some uh, YouTube on my on my Roku, and I, and I couldn't get on YouTube. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then eventually I went over to my computer, and then I got this like big warning from Google that said yeah. that <laughs> my account my my account had been banned. Uh, so I had two channels. I had 15 minutes of flame and then Sunday night Astro live, but both of those channels were connected to one email account. So, uh, 15 minutes of flame just got completely nuked. It's just not there anymore. Um, Sunday night Astro live is still there, but I can't access it because my email address has been banned, which is kind of, you know, it, I mean, it is what it is. Right? You play in their world. You're gonna you're gonna play in their sandbox, and yeah. you kind of know what their rules are in some ways, even if you don't. So, you know, I could sit here and say, well, you know, that's not fair because it was connected to this other account. This other account didn't have this other channel didn't have same kinds of strikes against it. 
Uh, but it, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to get anybody on the phone at YouTube or Google and make my case. So you know, the way, this is the way this, the world is now. So you have to figure out what you're going to do and adapt. So I decided to uh, stream from my website. And I had been working with BoxCast for a while, back in 2019. And I was trying to do this migration thing from YouTube to my website. But everybody liked YouTube's chat better, so I couldn't, I couldn't entice them to come over. And eventually I'm like, well, if, you know, if people are not coming over here, then why am I paying BoxCast X amount of money per month? I'm just going to kill this, and I'm just going to go into YouTube. And now I went back to BoxCast. Long story short, I stream off my website uh, six days a week, and then I, I stream my uh, Sunday Night Astro live show on YouTube. Uh, on Sunday nights. And as long as I watch what I say and keep it more on the astrological tip, uh, so far, so good. So last night I talked a lot about, uh, can I use the word vaccine here? Is that possible? You can say anything you want here, Robert. Okay. So uh, instead of using vaccination, I called it carjacking. And uh, so yes. every time I talked about getting vaccinated, I talked about getting carjacked. And it was kind of funny in some ways. It's very um, appropriate, actually. Yeah, I thought so, too, you know, because it feels that way. I was searching. I was searching for the right term. And so I talked a lot about the, the carjacking on last night's show. And uh, so I'm there now. And on Friday, I interview guests and a lot of the guests, it's pretty eclectic. I interview people that some other people don't interview. Uh, the, the, like I, I've interviewed E. Michael Jones three times, and he's kind of a, you know, kind of a, a controversial person. Um, he, he talks about the third rail, and uh, I'll have Russ Winter on hopefully on Friday, who's really interesting. He's an expat that lives in uh, Czechoslovakia. I like it, I like listening to content like that, Robert, and I like also inviting people that may not be popular with the circles. I'm so tired of this weird decorum of who you can and cannot have on your own show. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always been pretty eclectic, and it, 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 it's always it's how I've lived my life. I just you know I, I don't like to be put into a box. Yeah, same here. It, it, yeah, and it's good and it's bad. I mean, it's 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 a kind of a weird thing. Like I so I did this interview with E. Michael Jones. It's a great interview, and Michael Jones speaks out against uh, you know the global banking interests, and he's written extensively about Jewish power. Yes, and I've you know I interviewed him about it. And we got into it, and I'm, it's I've had other guests that you know tackle the subject, and I always try to tackle it in a way that is how do I say this intellectually thought provoking instead of just sounding very cliche. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to go there. So uh, Michael and I had a really good show and I went over his YouTube channel and I, he got kicked off of YouTube eventually, by the way, as well. And I went over his YouTube channel and I read the comments. They said, hey, there was a really great interview. And all of a sudden, said, have you been to his website? Did you know he's an astrologer? And, you know, and it's like all of a sudden now I get, I get put into a bucket. Right. I get put into a bucket. I mean, I like, I like his idea of Logos. I'm not a Catholic. Yes. 
but I, I like the idea of low cost. It, it appeals to me. It appeals to me in, much more in a way than, you know, some of the other Yahweh tales in a lot of ways. Right. So, um, but that happens. So I'll get that. And then I've, I've, I've had it from sort of the new age side of things in that, Oh, well, he's a, he's, he's a, Oh, I don't know, misogynist or you know, it doesn't happen too much anymore. I've heard, I've heard that about you from others and, and yeah. uh, knowing you and having had you on the show and listening to you, I find that funny, really. It's so current, right? It's so the times right now. Yeah. I, so people have said that I'm a misogynist. I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm a misogynist. I mean, I, I love women. You're not. In fact, I've had to defend you <laughs> a couple of times. I'm like, actually, if you pay attention to Robert, you'll notice he always puts women, gives them a platform. He's usually got a lot of women friends around and he just speaks his mind. How's that a misogynist? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's interesting feedback. Um, so I've had it every now and then on my website that people will leave comments and I think I did go through a period where I was, I, I was kind of angry with what was going on with women uh, at that time and how they were kind of shaping the, the, the social and cultural narrative in a way that I, I thought was toxic and uh, in, in a lot of ways also weaponized, too. Absolutely. 100% weaponized. Same with the trans trans agenda. Trans people are fantastic people. I have lots of trans friends, but the agenda is a politicized beast aside from it. Same with the women, same with the BLM stuff. And Mm -hmm. people need to understand these distinctions. I think the level of intelligence in the collective is sinking. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Again, I'm not afraid to go in those areas and suffer the slings and arrows of those kinds of um, kinds of assertions. It's not, but but I also don't go there just to be provocative. Like I I don't go to those places just so I can get a rise out of people and then sort of troll them in some ways. I, I don't I don't have any interest in that. Every now and then I'll throw something out there that you know might might be just, you know, testing the waters or, or, you know, maybe poking the bear just a little bit. But that's not how I operate because I, I don't think, I don't think people who do what you and I do could last very long doing that. Right. Uh, well, there's a, ha- there's a lot, there's a trail of dead out there to prove that fact. It takes its toll. I mean, that kind of, that kind of strategy, if you call it a strategy, that kind of, um, angle takes its toll because you wind up pissing off so many people. And unless you're somebody like Howard Stern, who is completely insulated. Or, or Joe Rogan or, yeah. Yeah. Rogan, not, not so much anymore. I think Rogan, I think Rogan has, has, has some real problems on his hands. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. He has some real issues, and I'm, talk, I'm talking soul issues here. Yeah, I, I see. I recognize it as well. Yeah. I look at that guy, and I'm like, dude, you made the worst decision of your life. Yes, it, it's a demon. You yeah. know, this is interesting, Robert, not to side rail this at all, but since we're kind of going into this slightly right now by what we're interpreting through Joe Rogan, I don't want this to be underplayed. You are a very real have worked the circuit 
as a psychic. You're the real deal. And I think a lot of people forget this. Now, people that love you and follow you know this, but I think it sometimes falls under the rug. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of an interesting side of me that I you know I don't necessarily talk about, but I, I certainly incorporate it in sort of this larger picture thing that I work with and also the people that I work with. But I was um, I was trained, I would say loosely, but I was trained um, as a trance medium to do trance medium type work or psychic work. It's called psychic work by, by a trance medium named Karen Lundegaard in Berkeley, California. And this was the early nineties. And I first discovered Karen, I think through one of the local, you know, whole, whole lifetimes or something like that. She had an ad in the back and she looked interesting. She looked normal and not that I was opposed to abnormal, but she just kind of, you know, when you deal with the psychic, it's like, Oh, this person's normal looking. Let me make an appointment. So I made an appointment with her and I went to her craftsman style home in Berkeley and we sat down in her room and it was the most amazing experience I'd have. I'd had a lot of interesting experiences with psychics, but this one was really very unique because we sat in this room and she would ask questions and the room would snap, crackle and pop. Like she, the room that like spirits were talking to her through the room and I would hear these creaks and all these things going on. It was amazing. And she would get these confirmations and then, and then I think at one point she was bringing my grandfather through and my grandfather had asthma and all of a sudden, she, and I didn't tell her that. And all of a sudden she started to have a really difficult time breathing. She had, her eyes were watering up. I'm like, Whoa, you know, this, <laughs> this woman has opened the door here. So, so then she said, I'm, I'm teaching a course on you know, psychic mediumship would you like to be part of it i said okay sure so it was like this six-week course and every time i went it was like man i'm getting getting all these hits with all this stuff like you know i'm pretty good at this and and i'd already had like a background in uh tarot and runes and numerology so i kind of had systems down in my head but this was a whole other thing this is a whole other level and I remember the last or kind of our last was our last night and we were doing table tipping, which I had never done before. And she had this big round table and it was incredible. Like the molecular structure of the table would change. Like at times it would feel really rubbery and elastic and other times like really hard and yes. you know, like, 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 like petrified wood. I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. Uh, so you know, I took that experience and I'm like, okay, well, I, there, there's a there there. Let me, let me see what I can do with this. So then I really got into tarot reading very heavily. And that was, I think, around 1994 and 94, uh, 95. And I actually worked for one of these online psychic phone services. It was, it was a legit one. It was run out of the Bay Area. Yeah. And, and I started to just basically you know, read people, read where they lived. And I was using Tarot, but mostly as kind of a point of departure. And that was a really interesting time. Super, super interesting time, just in terms of all kinds of confirmation. And I, I had this uh, friend who was living in Colorado. She was living in Denver. 
and we would do these psychic experiments with each other during the day. We would try to like tune into each other. And at the end of the day, we'd get on the phone and we'd talk about what we thought the other had done. I love those experiments. Yeah. That's that's exercising your muscle. Absolutely. And then I would do things like, I remember one time I was going over to my friend, uh, Beth's place, Beth Custer. She's a musician. And there was this other guy there and he's, he was a musician and I thought in my head, what does he look like? What does he look like? And I'd never seen him. And I saw it, this picture in my head. And when I got to replace, it was the exact same picture I had in my head. Oh, like, yes. There it is. <laughs> and and, and, and I, we are capable of all these things. Yes. Like, we are totally capable of them. So, you know, I did that for a while. And then I moved really heavily into tarot reading. And a lot of the tarot stuff was, again, like a psychic gateway for me. And reading the cards was kind of reading the cards, but then there was other things that would happen and sort of things that I could pick up on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was a big part of my life for the nineties. And, um, it is still part of what I do. I just do it in a different way. And when I work with people, I definitely tap into them. Yes. And, and, uh, so yeah, it's a, it, it's another side of, Kind of, kind of my life, which is it's an interesting side and one that doesn't really fit into the model of the world in a lot of ways. Absolutely. That's actually yeah. a very significant statement. Yeah. And uh, there's another part of me, like, I, I'd like to think I'm kind of a guy's guy because I'm really into sports. I play sports. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, rode motorcycles when I was a kid and you know, I, I you know I I like that world. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself, you know, total alpha, but I like that world, and um, and yet it's very different than this other world. And that's kind of how my life has been in a lot of ways. Trying to put all these kinds of eclectic pieces together. Like just recently, I I don't know. I don't think it's against my better judgment because I feel like I had to. Just, it was something I had to do. But I ran for city council here in the in the small town that I live in. Because because the city council had become, how do I say this, um, just robotic. They were robotic. They, were, they just turned into automatons, and they weren't listening to people. And they were doing things that were egregious in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like they were setting up tattle tool tales oh, so, so people could tell, tell on each other oh my God. Uh, if they weren't playing by the COVID rules uh, nice enough. So there was a group, there was a bottle. So we, there's a group of us that got really agitated and the city council meetings got got taken offline. And I decided to, I had this idea that we should have our own meetings running parallel. When I said they weren't meeting in public, they were going to do them on zoom, but we weren't able to be in the same physical space with them. So I had this thought that we would we should run our own meetings, and uh, this other woman who lives here, who's involved in the Tea Party, she had the same thought at the same time. So we were on the same wavelength. So we started to have our own meetings in a typical Gemini fashion because we're in this Gemini big Gemini period. Yeah. So we had these meetings running parallel with the city council. We called our thing the Citizens Council, and I think that really like shook them up a little bit. Oh, of course it, it did. 
<laughs> and then and then we would zoom in from our meeting to their meeting, and they would see all these people there, right? It would it freak the shit, freak them out. Well, so, the key word is the people. You were representing the people. Yeah. So they just said, "Okay, we're, we're sick of these guys. We we need some people to run for for office." And some people wanted me to run for office because I'm pretty vocal. And this one gal who lives here, who's, she's absolutely terrific. She's an amazing um, artisan. She does jewelry. Just, she's an incredible person, a millennial, 30 years old. She said, look, I think you are be- your best chance to do something here. I will totally support you and if you run. I'm like, how can I you know, say no to that? So she, she, <laughs> built, she built my website. She did a lot of art for you know my uh, my cards and, and uh, signs and stuff. So I ran and I went you know through the process of doing what a candidate does, taking out ads uh, in the local newspaper and uh, setting up block walking and I, you know all, I was I was I was into all that stuff and lawn signs. Uh, it was a very interesting experience and the first you know, forum I did was with the chamber of commerce and I, I hate politics and I, you know, I would not really want to be a part of their world, but I felt like I was, I felt compelled at, at this point in time to at least do it. And I thought, well, at the very least I might be able to open some eyes. Yes. I could talk, I could talk about some things that may make it down to some people. So that's what I did. And the first forum I did was the chamber of commerce forum. And there were six candidates, two were incumbents, and there were four other people. And I thought I did really well in that forum. Like, you know, people came up to me and said, man, you were really great. You know, you held your own. And I I thought I did, you know, being what I would consider objective. And then the second forum came around, and it was the Democratic Party forum. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do here? Because I think a lot of my ideas and sentiments are kind of contrary to where their party has evolved or devolved to. Yeah, exactly. Where it is now. Yeah. But a lot of my sentiments, if they really listened to me, would have been much more in alignment with theirs. Like in this town, they've sold their soul to Airbnb and short-term rentals and there's no place to live. We've got over a thousand short-term rentals in this town and there are 10,000 people that live here. This is part of that new landscape we're moving into very fast. Yes, and, and absolutely. So I, I address that stuff. And if you, and there were people who were on the Republican side who were not happy that I was talking about this. Because, of course, they're into this so-called free market. And right. They want to develop Fredericksburg and yeah. allow people the chance to experience a wonderful, beautiful town that we get to experience. Like, well, if you do that, you're going to keep the people from actually living here and actually raising a family here. Right. Uh, I think you may want to revisit that. So if they really listen to what I had to say, I probably would have been a lot closer to them than I were with Republicans. I was closer to the Republicans, theoretically, on personal freedoms yeah, and things like that. Same but here. on the other, yeah, but on the other side, it's like, I don't know, man, you guys are really greedy Yep. You're really greedy and you're <laughs> short-sighted, okay? And that's what's gotten the United States and the Western world into, into big trouble in a lot of ways. 
Oh, it's absolutely so, instru- instrumental in this particular area we find ourselves in now. It's good for more people that are actually folk out in the world to come forward and broaden this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, so in this Democratic forum, the Republican darling, who's actually pretty smart and very articulate, and I think he probably would have been good on a certain level. But during that that forum, right after he was done presenting himself and answering their questions, and I was going next, because my name follows his uh, alphabetically. Yeah. And after he was done, he said, there is one candidate that I would tell you not to vote for. And, he, and it's me. Oh. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why he's advocating for people not to vote for me is because that I'm a practitioner of the dark arts. Oh, my God. He'd been to my website and checked out my website, and now all of a sudden, I'm a cult leader. That's what he said. I'm a cult leader. Oh, my God. And not only did he, did he say that, and they cut him off. I think, I'll give the Democrats that. They, they cut him off. They didn't give him any more time. But... Not only did he do that, but him, the, the kind of the, the local head of the Republican Party here, plus some other stooge, they all ganged up on this one guy who was the head of the Tea Party. And the Tea Party had given me time to speak at their meetings. Yeah. And they, they were bullying him. They were bullying him. And they were saying, are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, how could you support him? Oh, my God. And much to his credit, he... Didn't he didn't buckle? He didn't he didn't buckle. He 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 you know said, look, you know we're we're about the Constitution, and you can practice any religion you want here. I mean that that's part of the Constitution. Yes. So I got I got a firsthand taste of this. It was really interesting. And then his wife got into it with somebody else that I know here in town through this kind of email thing, and she his wife called me a Satanist. Oh. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so hilarious. It's, it is really hilarious. Yeah, it's hyperbolic. You know, totally. And in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't win uh, because I would have had to deal with deal all with, that. Yeah. To deal with all this stuff. So, but I, but I feel like I got, I, I got my karmic residue kind of cleared out there. And um, it's really interesting when you do something like that. The people in the community respect you more. It's, it's it was an interesting to me. And people will say, "Well, why did you do that? The system is rigged." Blah 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 blah. Well, it's just a process for me, and I learned a lot, and I, I experienced things I would never have experienced had I not done that. And one of the things that I experienced actually came from this group of people that were Christians, and it was their absolute dedication to just go block walking for me. Right. It's like, I didn't have to twist any arms or do anything. Like they were just so devoted and committed to the cause yeah. that they, they just did it. And it's like, man, this is unconditional. I mean, I really like this. Yeah. Of just, course. It was great. It was, it was like humanity. Yeah. This is what so, we should be experiencing all over. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when people, 
and I've had people kind of diss me for, for running. It's like, you have no idea how, how that affected my life. And sometimes I get caught up in the same trap that we get so um, stuck on results in a lot of ways. You know, we get so stuck on results or you get so stuck on data or we get stuck on numbers. And there is something to that. But we also have to take into account that there is a lot more to our experience than just that. And, and I think we've lost touch with that. And we, we just define things now. It's like it's become so defined good or bad or right or wrong. Oh, but not even accurately. Yeah. This is no. The etymology of our language has decayed and things are being twisted and turned. One of the things I wanted to say before we get too far from it is you standing up and deciding to do something constructive to try and change, at least be a light of option, another option in the world for people is a beautiful thing and to have come under a critique from others because the system is rigged and we know it's rigged, but that doesn't mean one shouldn't try. And in the end, our numbers are larger. I really believe that. So for you to do something, to take action and at least understand the process at a deeper level is very commendable because you do get up there and you get exposed and then bullshit starts happening like people calling you some dark lord occultist with you know all this that's a lot of stress and it can be a lot more stress ultimately and it also illustrates how nasty the system is and why it is important for people like you and others to stand up and try. Yes, I, I would agree. And the thing, again, that comes into all of this is the human equation. Because when this guy was saying what he was saying on that forum, I only had a few split seconds to figure out what I, what I was going to do. Because I yes. was, I was, I was next, right? I, I, it wasn't like I had another person between me and him to kind of formulate a plan, right? So I had to figure out what I was going to do or not do, and then I had to be composed because I was talking to these people. Yes, and, that was, and optics that was, are so important. You know this. It is, but it was a real test, right? It was a real test that I wouldn't have had had I not been in that arena and I think as as humans at least the way that, that society and our so-called culture has evolved is that we, we have tended to insulate people from real risk and um, we've created and, a whole new reality on that <laughs> and yep. participation awards and all this we should all be in fear of the yep. next phase yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to be in a situation like that where I had to I had to face some things really quickly was actually really empowering. And you know, I, I think I did fairly well. I wouldn't say that, you know, oh I, I just mowed that moment down. Uh I think I was about as composed as I could be. I didn't address the situation. I made a very quick decision that to address the situation and acknowledging and giving power. Yep, absolutely. That for me is the that's the route I would have taken. Yeah. So I just moved on. I did my best to provide 
you know, or state my case before the Democratic powers. Uh, that be, and then the last form was with the Republicans, the people that were actually trying to railroad me. And of course, I walk into the uh, the uh, auditorium, the church auditorium, and the guy that's running that forum, who's also the head of the Republican Party, greets me with a big, broad smile and a big handshake. And you know, how are you doing? Glad you could make it. And a week ago, you're on the phone with this dude, basically uh, questioning his his moral his moral fortitude, his, his, his morality by backing me and bullying him. It's so sure. But here you are, here in front of the church, smiling and shaking my hand like nothing ever happened. And, and that and was, defines politics. <laughs> it's it so sharky and two-faced. Yeah. Oh. And, and these are people who were using a religious angle, too, which was really scary. To me, that was that was scary. They were, they, they had said that their morality was at such a, a level that they could attack this guy and that they could attack me. And what they were really engaged in was bullying. This is what they were doing. They were yes. bullying this guy. And even in that moment, James, in some ways, his name is James, is trying to bully me. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't very, very Christian behavior at all. That's that's a meme now, that statement, <laughs> because I encounter unchristian-like behavior from so many Christians in the world, and I don't have a problem with Christianity. In fact, I really enjoy the Bible, but that kind of, uh, that sleaziness is a meme at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't have a problem with Christianity either. I, I don't. I I think that there are some really beautiful things about Christianity. Yeah, of course. When, it, when, it's, when it's practiced at a super high level. Uh, By people that I, actually understand the lessons and stories and have read the canon and the other books and gotten into it instead of the surface level cafeteria Christian that is so judgmental and I'm constantly still- in our faces and everyone's faces for what they should do. And you see that it's totally hypocritical when you throw the lens towards these types of people. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That I, I would, I would agree with that. And I would also say that I was more Christian than he was and that I turned the other cheek. That's what I'm saying. I have encountered myself being absolutely a hundred percent Christian as a non-Christian in the face of that kind of vitriol. And that's what I find is so funny, but then we're the bad guys. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I totally, I totally agree with you. So that, again, it was another kind of square peg round hole sort of moment. And I even asked, you know, so I, I, I go to these tea party meetings here because I get to see sort of the soul in some ways, this depiction of a certain, um, soul that is very American. And these are people that are, they're Christians, they're conservative. Um, they honor and value family. A lot, a lot of them are older. Yes. So I go to these meetings because sometimes they actually have some pretty good speakers, but I also go there so I can kind of stay in touch with this part of the world and in this part of our, our lineage in a lot of ways. Um, but, um, well, let's, let's look yeah. at this for a minute. 
Robert. Let's since this is going to probably round us into this first half, but I want to let's look at the Constitution for a minute. Let's talk about it because you're talking about going and being visible to the Tea Party. They base themselves on the Constitution. Now, I don't associate really with any political party, and I think oftentimes I find more of myself in that central libertarian section uh, because I believe in the constitutional values that this country was founded on. Now, we don't need to talk about the colonialism. My mother is Indian, and, uh, you know, so there's some skin in that game, and I've never was not brought up to blame. My mother never was a victim or played the blame game. And and she wasn't full-blooded Indian also, by the way. So, but she had enough. If I show you a photo, you're going to go, yes, this is, a, this is definitely an Indian woman. So it's not like uh, Elizabeth Warren, right? right? And so I want to look at this. When the Tea Party first came out, and God knows, everyone on my Facebook page at that time, I'm not on it anymore, made fun of them because I was, I had always kind of grown up mostly in that democratic section, even though I never declared myself, but it seemed in my life that the more open people, the more open-minded people were Democrats, the more liberal people were, tended to be Democrats. And, um, I, I was always just a very out there artist. I've had, I grew up with really no ideas of racism in the seventies. And so we were overcoming in the seventies. And so I fell into those groups of people. And then when this last, I guess, 2016 hits in the whole Trump era, I started to realize that a lot of these people that co-opted, or I found myself in these circles that were co-opting what it is to be, what I thought was democratic were actually very, very conservative, very intolerant, very uh, closed circle, exclusive. These yeah. were qualities that I had always thought were more Republican, more right hand. Uh, yeah. And I come to find out, no, this is actually what the Democrats are, and I don't fit into that, even though I, I think looking at me, I'm I'm a creative person, and I adorn myself in creative ways. I have all kinds of interests. I think a lot of people want to throw me in that circle. I don't have Kool-Aid hair. I had to start bringing back the idea of what's our constitution, what's our bill of rights, and let's start there. And it started to divide my world, Robert. People started to just fall away thinking I had turned to the Dark Lord. Right. Over what? Well, freedom of speech, religious freedom, uh, taxation, the craziness with taxation, all this shit. Uh, the, disarming us from what we have a tyrannical overlord right now. Why the fuck would I want to disarm? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, that's a, whole, that's a whole discussion in programming and mind control. Well, we're going to take that into the second hour, but I feel like we should, yeah, yeah, let's, let's dip into it here and then it'll, you know, we'll move into it later, but let's get into this. Let's, what do you think about the uh, constitution and our original bill of rights? Well, I think, I think it's probably the most perfect document that's been created in order for people to self-govern or as much as they possibly can. 
And of course, whoever these guys were, and, and I've had kind of an evolving relationship with whoever they were, um, but whoever they were came up with some, I think, pretty, uh, how do I say this, interdependent principles. Uh, and they knew that, that it's like, these things probably won't last very long, but we're going to give it a shot and we're going to, we're going to write this down and we're going to uh, canonize these things. Yes. And that, and that the rest is up to them. And I think, I think they had a sense of that. And even. Well, that famous warning from Ben Franklin, can we keep it? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I think even some of the, some of the actions of, of people who were founding fathers uh, during the time of the Revolutionary War, and even after, you know, begins to lead the country into very dark territory. Um, you, you have people like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, the Adams brothers, who aren't all that great, and they start to connect up with the international banking interests. Yes. Very early, very early on. Yes. So, so this whole idea of what the Constitution represents. Was, was being threatened from the jump. And it's kind of a testament in some ways that you know, we've, we've lasted in this form for as long as we have, even though I think some of this has been propped up artificially. Like It's almost like it became Disneyland in some ways in order to have <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, commercialization and this idea of what America theoretically is. America but, became a meme. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. And, but at the same time, there, there's a there there, and that's what the there is. And, of course, I look at uh, the, you know, the day that the United States you know, signed the Declaration of Independence. I use that chart a lot in my astrology, and I use the Sibley chart, and it tells an amazing story of what was happening there. And as a country, we are going through our Pluto return and that's going to happen uh, next year in a big way. In fact, in January of 2022, the first, first two weeks of January 2022, I think we're going to be weeks that are going to change the United States, the history of the United States and, and the world, astrologically, the way this thing is lined up. It's, it's a huge time. Well, Pluto so, is no joke. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's not a joke. And we saw the effects of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, last year in January when it it hit. And I just knew, I knew it's like, this is it, man. This is it. Whatever we've been doing before this, it's coming to an end. Here come the dark it's, clouds. <laughs> it, it's coming to an end. I got in front of, I got in front of a, a group of people at the Austin Astrological Society. Um, I think it was four or five days after that conjunction. And, and I basically told them, look, I wrote, I wrote time on the blackboard and I circled it. So you see that we're running out of it. I said, there's going to come a time here where time is going to stop. Yes. And where you are is where you are. Yes. And you better, you better get right with where you are. And that happened. You time stopped when the COVID clock hit high noon, right. Or 12 midnight. Yes. And that's when time stopped. And that was the Saturn Pluto conjunction. That was the, the, the beginning of, whatever this timeline we're in now, we went into a new timeline and we've, we've been, we, we are currently, and we're, I think we're coming close 
to be to coming out of the other side of this thing. But we have been in a Janus ritual, and you know, the, the Janus is the, the two faced God. Yes, and, and there were these rituals called Janus rituals, and they were usually done during a time of war. And people would go into this um, space, right? They would go into a literal space and they would go in with basically one face and then they would come out on the other side of this space with another face. And that was the Janus ritual. And the thing that was in between was the, this, this space of transformation that people were going to go through. And the Janus uh, ritual has to do with wearing a mask. And yes. we went into this whole thing where we put the mask on. And that was the beginning of the Janus ritual. And then there would be whatever was going to happen on the inside of this space that would take place. It would transform who we are. And then we would come out the other side of it and we would come out without the mask. So this is what's happening now. We are coming out of the other side of the Janus ritual and we are without masks, but we've been changed. And the carjacking is changing people. It will continue to change people. And that's been the heart of the Janus ritual. So we're coming out of it now. And um, as we head into this new Pluto retrograde, though. Yeah, there's a new Pluto retrograde. Yeah, it's coming. But the, the mask coming off, this is important. You notice how most of the governors in, in, the, in, the, you know, in the United States have really backed off the mask stuff. Yes. Even, uh, even um, people like Phil, what's his name, from New Jersey, who's a complete and utter dictator in New York. So the, the mask has come off. It's also interesting in that you know, we look at Fauci and we look at Gates and whatever's going on with them and how they're being, you know, dragged through the mud intentionally. The mask is coming off them too. Yes. Like they, have, they have their own demasking that's going on. So I hallelujah think, for that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's good. Don't get me wrong. But, but they're, they always decide that, like Bill Gates has, has you know, he's hit his expiration date. Like he has served a purpose. He served a purpose to get the agenda to the vaccine stage. Oh, he the, he did well for his his purpose. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous where we are and what he did, but he served his purpose well. He did. That's what his purpose was, and ultimately, he's he's like a pipe piper. I mean, that's the that's the role theoretically he plays, and all these politicians, including Donald Trump, just dance to his team because of the money. Well, he became king of the world for a minute. Um, he was, absolutely. Um, but he's over now. And the, re- the reason why he's over is he's, 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 he's completed his task, that's number one. And number two, demographically, he's, he's not right for the next spin, the next chapter. He's too white. He's too old. He's too boomer. Everything. He, it's all yeah. against him, yeah. He's, they, they've got to move him out. I think the, I think the next... Bill Gates is Elon Musk. I think that's their new guy. He's younger. He he appeals to young people that are into cryptos. Oh yeah, he's got electric vehicles. Yeah, Grimes, his woman, and you know he's really plugging into the current 
narratives and the current generations, including the uh, Zoomers? Absolutely. So Elon Musk is the new guy. And he's the guy that will convince people to open up their craniums and have a chip put in. Right? That's the guy because that's where they want to go. Bill Gates could never do that. Just a small prick, as Pink Floyd says. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the other thing that's interesting about Elon Musk is he looks slightly Asian when you look at him sometimes. He is very middle of the road. His yeah, He absolutely shows as Asian oftentimes with just the shape of his face as well, not just the shape of his eyes. Yeah. He, he's got yeah. a middle of the road, uh, homogenized presence. If he were a little bit more brown, then he might even do better. He he might. He might. I don't think the world I don't think the world is necessarily I don't I would say if it's ready for it or not. I don't think they think it's ready for it. Right. I mean I think that they have figured out Musk is their guy and he's got all the cool toys. He's like Tony Stark. In fact, he was in an Iron Man episode of one of the Iron Man flicks. So there you go. Oh yeah, uh, they're they're definitely pushing this narrative with him. Yep. So so he's going to be the new Gates, and he's going to grab the imagination of the next generation. And as far as where this whole thing is going, you know, this Delta variant or whatever, what's going to? I think you and I know what's going to happen is that the vaccinated people are the ones that are going to be really problematic. Oh yeah. Here's what I've been saying. And the way I do my psychic content mostly is in the air quotes music videos. So, and I, I have a very high hit rate uh, and I have a similar history psychically with you that goes back to Berkeley, believe it or not in the eighties. <laughs> so what I saw when we started to see that first wave of jabs, I thought this is interesting because nine months later, we're going to be looking at September. Nine months later is gestation for a human child. September is the first harvest as we move into the dark of the season. And uh, it just made a lot of sense to me. And then when I put my psychic eye onto it outside of those logical aspects, right? I started to see a wave of darkness that included a lot of very nefarious narratives rolling out. And now this is separate from what I was saying to begin with, that every this has all been about a genetic netting. It's like a dragnet for pulling up some genetics within the human collective that have been recessive or in what people call the junk DNA section. So that's all at play here. But I have been seeing very clearly from the beginning of January, September on, and now I I haven't looked at the astrology of this, but I know that September on, we're going to start seeing a whole different situation with those who've been jabbed. And part of the payload, one of the aspects is going to start unfolding. So we're going to start seeing a a bigger divide between the vaxxed and the non-vaxxed. It's going to start playing out in blood donations and how people that have been GMO'd willingly, mostly, except for by this fine-run torture chamber that we're calling the evangelization of vaccines and getting them into people because the system has been so good at propagandizing everyone, mesmerizing everyone, and finding its goal of 
50 to 70 percent of the population. So we're going to start seeing some of this stuff unfold in a very nasty way. And part of what I find interesting is, you know, James Bartley is a good friend of mine and we do a private show behind the gates on both of our sites. And you just had a fantastic engagement with him. And I am wanting to chime in on some of that kind of darker narrative when we get into the next hour. But until we get there, Robert, how do people find you in the real world? In the so-called real world, they can find me at robertphoenix.com. That's my astrology site. Uh, if you want to book a reading with me, you can go there. Uh, I'm at 15 minutes of flame. That is 15 minutes in ovflame.com. And I'm uh, astrophoenix9 on Twitter. Those are those are my main main uh, portals. Excellent. I will have those in the show notes as well. Thank you for presenting this preamble to what's going to be the juicy section because we're going to get into the deep woo-woo. So people who are into the woo-woo will enjoy that. And there he goes, the one and only Robert Phoenix. Thank you for lending your ear and time here in the Cosmic Salon with us. I would like to graciously thank the patrons that produce this show. Christy Tesmer, Jason Lamson, Marcy Shapiro, Marin Kramer, Melanie Poe, Michael Wachter, Santa Rebecca, and Patrick Newland, as well as the other patrons through Patreon. This is go time. This is now past the line, actually. And we're going to start seeing how all of these waves from a stone thrown into a pond are coming to shore. Remember to dream yourself alive, to dream yourself beautiful and vibrant, to dream yourself in love with your life and your existence in deep connection with all that that has meaning for you and to dream yourself always in a state of growth. Thank you for spending time here with me. Abiento.